These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. Lighthearted conversations about the heaviest possible shit. My guest this week is Zach Seward, the managing editor at Coindesk. Also, Zach is my best friend in the whole world. We met as roommates in our first year in college, and we are still friends. So, a great excuse to have a dude who, I mean, he does have more Twitter followers than I do. Which, you know, in terms of justifying having your friends on, the dude's a public figure, you know? Also, it's my podcast. Who am I justifying this to? Jesus. Anyway, we have a great chat. I'm excited for you to hear it. I include his Kill One Thing in the full episode, which is on Patreon. So if you want to hear Zach and I go back and forth on tropes we find annoying in journalism, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and check out the full episode of the show. Also, the Patreon has a ton of great stuff. Here's a New Year's resolution for you. Subscribe to my Patreon. Just three bucks gets you the full episode every week. There are playlists on there I put out every month. I do basically informal live shows every month. If you donate at the Dolphin level, Zach is a Dolphin level subscriber. So I have that synergy happening right now. I also want to thank my Pigeon level subscribers, Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang for making this show possible. And you can find me at This Is Dave Marr and thisisdavemar.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter. I've got a lot of stuff that I'm offering you. All you have to do is click those links in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. Tell a friend about the show. Rate it, review it, subscribe in your apps. And sincerely, whether you're in America or India, where there are a ton of people listening recently, thank you, India. I'm like Alanis Morissette over here. So thank you, whoever you are, you right now listening to this podcast, to this episode. Thank you for doing it. I love what I do. And I'm really, really grateful to be able to share it with you and to have spent the time that I have in 2020 working on it. So thank you for being a part of that. Just listening, you are a part of that. I hope to do more of it in 2021. And that's all I'll say about that for now. So sit back and enjoy this episode of two best friends talking to each other, one an existentialist comedian and another the managing editor of a cryptocurrency website. Life's weird, you know? This is Zach Seward. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I You know, often I do geographical, honestly. Like I usually, I, I find myself falling back on that as a, as a quick uh, shorthand for for who I am, really? Because you think yeah, it's like, kind of weird. The Bay Area like represents you somehow, sort of. Yeah, a little bit. What is what is Bay Area like? Quickly, or do you say Bay Area, or do you say San Francisco, or do you say Mill Valley, or what do you say? I usually say, I shoot, yeah, I usually say either San Francisco or California, depending on the depending on the context. Okay, what do those things? What's the shorthand that that communicates there? Um, what is the shorthand that that communicates? Uh, I guess it speaks to sort of like origins in a way that people can 
relate to or not, if I had to think about it. Um, maybe maybe it also is shorthand for sort of like a a bit of a a bit of a rootlessness. But um, okay, so it's not just yeah. like I want you to know that I am whatever you think about California. I want you to know that I no longer live in the place that I was born. Maybe, maybe the latter. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I find, I find myself often being like, yeah, I'm from, you know, I'm from San Francisco. Uh, you know, I went to college in Chicago and I just kept, kept rolling East, you know, went to DC for a little bit, spent some time in New York, uh, went upstate, now I'm back down to Philly. And, you know, here I am outside of, outside of uh, Philadelphia now, uh, you know, doing my thing. And it's sort of like little pit stops that people are able to sort of check in on and, uh, and maybe have a conversation based on some of those things. So okay. some of those known brands, those known place brands. It's not like a cosmopolitan thing. It's not like letting people know that you are a man of the whole country, a man of the whole country, a man of the people. Um, it's just like, Oh, maybe someone's, if they don't know Chicago, they, ha- they know someone in DC. That's basically it. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I just, it's something I just find myself maybe doing as much as anyone else, but maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how common or, or not. Yeah. Yeah. But do you identify with one of those cities more than the others? Like, is it San Francisco? Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's sort of like was formative in who I was and who I am. So yeah, of of those, I think San Francisco has a special place in my heart. Yeah. What is a San Francisco person? What is a San Francisco person? A great question. Um, they are a little bit strange. Uh, they are a little bit like culturally creative. strange. Yeah, and like okay. a little bit, a um, little bit cosmopolitan. Um, you know, like San Francisco to me used to be like um kind of kind of weird and i think it's lost a lot of that charm over the years since yeah. since i've you know i haven't lived there in like 20 years but um that's fucking crazy dude i know you know it's crazy so <laughs> uh it, you know it, it it's a it's a place of um it's like a place of kind of odd ducks and i i think the whole like tech bubble has sort of erased some of that charm mm-hmm um, but, uh, in my mind, it's a place of sort of, um, you know, like genuine, uh, iconoclasts. And I don't think of myself as an iconoclast, but, uh, it, it definitely has that about it, like over the, over the, over the eras, you know, going back to the pioneers even you know the pioneers the beats the hippies like it was just a, a kind of an interesting confluence of folks who are just a little bit out there so anyway in my mind being from san francisco is something to be proud of i think like the whole like tech bubble has made it um like a little bit like public enemy number one in the discourse but um i genuinely think of it as a as a fun strange creative place at its core What do you hope happens when you die? Oh, man. Um, Well, I hope my 
uh, you know, I hope my books are in order for my family to be able to continue on and, um, you know, be happy after that. I think in terms of like afterlife, I'm pretty much of the view that like, I'm pretty much like a nothing happens would be like my overarching view in terms of uh, spirit life. So I'm fully expecting, uh, you know, fade to black. That's it. Um, and then I don't really preoccupy myself with thinking about that stuff all that much, to be honest. Was there a time when you did? Um, not really. Like, you know, like my parents went to, my parents were like raised Catholic, like went to Catholic school, uh, were kind of like, you know, ambivalent about that by the time they had me. So like, um, you know, had like some, some like religion in upbringing, but in a very like sort of, um, like Eastern Christmas style. Yeah. Just like real basic. And I think like my parents had this idea that like, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if, if he, you know, if the kids want to dabble in that, then we're, then they can. And like, we'll, you know, we'll present it to them as an, as an option. And, you know, if, if they want to, if it clicks in some capacity, they can sort of continue it. And it didn't really, it never really clicked. So, um, well, so I'm interested in that as a parent with you, you as a parent, not me as a parent, but is, is that bullshit? Like when parents are like, if they show interest in something, because I know Alonzo, your son, you're like getting him into baseball, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Lately we've been like, he's getting it, into yeah. it, right? He's definitely getting into it. Yeah. He's definitely getting into it. Like, but did you it, present him like the whole array of sports where you're like, here's cricket, here's tennis, here's this, here's that. Like in my mind, there's like this platonic ideal of parents introducing their kids to everything but i feel like in reality it really has to be like we are all about meninism or men being mennonites and we want our kid to be a fucking mennonite you know or like yeah, my kid I, will be a tennis star yeah i generally agree with that i like generally kids don't always have the capacity to, to choose in a meaningful way right like they don't even they don't like have the foundation on which to make like a reason choice if that makes sense right 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 so like the whole idea like pick your religion thing to like a five-year-old <laughs> right, right it's probably right. just as ridiculous as like pick your sport to a five-year-old so like yeah I'm, ha- I'm i'm heavily stacking the deck in favor of baseball like right would i want football like to be the alternative hell no like you know like there that like that is a legitimate concern of mine it's like you know Football is bad for your brain, man. So in well, yeah. So in your like religious or lack thereof upbringing, mm-hmm. you just you you haven't thought about it much. But does that not? Are you just okay with what you think happens? Of just like yeah, kind I feel of, pretty. I feel pretty okay with it. Yeah. How? Um, I don't know. I just like the, I. F- I think there's like. I don't know if this would count as nihilism, but like maybe there's some comfort in that where it's like, you you know, you, this is what you get and it is what it is and appreciate what you have and don't count on anything thereafter sort of feels like what I came to at, at, I don't know, a fairly early 
juncture. And you never felt the like need for more. You're like, yeah, this fits. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, honestly, like religion and even spirituality, like never were super captivating to me. And like, and, and like, I have friends who, you know, we have a shared friend, uh, Seth, who like, I remember talking to him and him being like really interested in religion as like a thing, right? Like as a concept, mm-hmm. like not even necessarily being like, you know, a practitioner of religious. Just, isn't it crazy but, that religion exists? Yeah. Like, I feel like there are people that are like captivated by the idea of, of religion. And like, that was never really, it, it was never really something that I engaged with even intellectually. So, right. I and feel it's like a little any, hard for me to be like, why not? Cause it's like, well, if you've never thought about this thing, that's like fucking, I don't know why not just, I just haven't, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess and the whole question, right? Like it doesn't like the questions of afterlife, I guess would be rooted in like religiosity and spiritualism, but maybe not. No, um, not so always, maybe it's, I don't think. you know, maybe it's like my fault for like conflating the two, but like, I sort of feel like, uh, I, I sort of, I sort of feel like, an awareness or a feeling of the afterlife is like very much linked. It's very much linked to like someone's, you know, religious beliefs. Sure. Sure. And so like, I've sort of always been sort of just like neutral or nothing or like blank in terms of religious belief. And therefore that's like, I think carried over into my understanding of the afterlife or lack thereof. Next, I want to do funeral planning. Okay. Have you, do you have any thoughts about how you want a funeral to go, to look, events, people, events, music, people. food, Thanks. any of that stuff? Yeah, you know, actually, I pre- we prepared wills like five or eight years ago at this point. Really? And I remember putting down, <laughs> it's kind of corny, but I remember putting down like the band as being like this, this, the, the soundtrack of my, of the funeral. I think I, I think I, I think I checked the, uh, you know, cremate me box and let's have a party and play like uh the weight by the band or something <laughs> like something something real corny like that so uh i think i'm i think i'm signed up for that in the in the what will do you mean, let's have a party like there's like a box that's like party or what's the other option oh. <laughs> i don't know i don't like, know that'd be cool that'd be cool no, an actual box it was like party like you know just party like, um like loud nothing. wailing it's like right. nothing like lit like like you know per, memorial like performative, performative like sadness right oh yeah, yeah, yeah um fireworks display um what else, what else was in there in you don't want zoom. any of that stuff you just what want in legal zoom um oh you went on legal zoom that's where you did it I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's. It's via legal zoom. What made you guys fill out wills? Well, like you know, you have kids and stuff, and you want to make sure that, like, if you croak, like, yeah. you don't have to like go to the orphanage or something. So but, that was like the primary function. Was this when you first had Una, or had, uh, was Una was, around for a bit? She's older was, than eight, right? Yeah, she's nine. So it was it was in Philly. She was born in Rochester, New York, but it was in Philly, so it was like maybe she was like two. Maybe maybe we just kinda of got around to it when she was two. So she had two whole years of like fucking no will oh, yeah. parents who could have just oh, left her in the fucking yeah. lurch. That's right, man. 
That's right. <laughs> Living on the edge. Bass. Okay. So Bass, you 18 month old. Do you want people to say anything about you or you just want them to have a nice time? Like what relationship do you want the party to have to you and your life? Um, let's see. I think it's nice to just provide like a venue for I think of it as sort of similar to a wedding, just in that it's a venue for folks to articulate a shared connection that happens to be with you. So like you were at my wedding and that was a bunch of people from all these different groups and they all came together for this really beautiful moment of uh, connection that, you know, me and Effie were the center of that, but in some ways the more powerful stuff was sort of like the connections um, on the spokes of that center. So for me, a memorial service would provide a similar function. And for as many folks, for like as many folks who could show up to um, again, like articulate that shared connection that just so happens to involve me would be what I would hope would come from something like that. Would you be hoping that people like continue those connections like past, or you just want them to have a moment where they kind of like take a pause and are like, wow, we all know each other and then just move on. I mean, I think it'd be cool if they continue the, those connections. I wonder like, um, like the one that I always think of for my wedding is like Charles Lyford and Scott Gordon. Like two okay. dudes who like otherwise would have no, uh, no venue for crossing paths in life. Who just like crossed paths and had a really great weekend. You know, like did they stay in touch in the subsequent decade? Uh, here and there. You know, like you know messages here and there, back and forth. Right. Like that to me is like a huge victory of of the wedding. So if something like that could stem from a memorial service, that'd be rad. I'd love that. So that actually is a perfect transition into my next question, which is about reliving, choosing one memory to relive. Because in the, in the one-man show that this podcast is based on, I pose the, the, the premise that in the afterlife, we get one memory to relive however many times we want. It's not just your thinking of it. It's not that other memories are washed away. It's that like of all your memories, you get to choose one to fully drop down into and re-inhabit whenever you want. You're not stuck there. It's just like a, a place you can visit whenever you feel like it. And so, you know, maybe for Scott and Charles, that weekend is that moment for them. But what is, if you had to choose, what's one memory that you would choose to relive? in that way. Oh man. Um, do you get to live the memory with the benefit of everything that followed that moment in time? Or do you live the memory with only an, an awareness of time up until that point? Which would, which would you want? I mean, I would want the benefit of, okay, then yeah, take, I take all the benefit, the benefit of future pers- perspective then take all the perspective you want. 
Okay. For me, I think it would be uh, it would be me and Effie in Rochester um, the night before my first daughter was born was the night before Una was born. There was like this crazy rainstorm, and I remember me and Effie were kind of sitting in the living room of our little like one bedroom apartment in in, in Rochester, New York, and there was like streams of water like streaming down the walls i'd never i'd never seen this before on the inside on the inside yeah there was like there was like this little like there was like like two streams of water like flowing down the walls and it felt like this very like it felt like like a i don't know like a like a little omen moment of sort of like the end of pre like the the end of the pre parenthood moment, and uh, it was like like just in a, a scary very, way. No, not not in, not in an omen, like in a bad sense. But like, I would like to revisit that moment, like with the benefit of all the sub all the following years, and sort of like appreciate how bizarre that moment is as we're about to advance on this like huge new chapter of our lives. What so would the context? Yeah. Like just be able to revisit that and be like, okay, like here's, you know, here's pre parenthood going out with bang and um, going out with a bang in like a visually striking and kind of strange way with water streaming down the inside of the living room. Um, For me, that would be a moment I want to go back to. Did it feel weird Um, at the time or just like in hindsight? It was definitely like, did it feel weird at the time or just like were you thinking of the symbolism in the moment probably not probably not as much as i would have liked so maybe that's why i would want to revisit it i would kind of want to go back to that moment and be like um yeah we're really about to get into it now just drink it in just like whoa this is it yeah like it's just a great moment it was like like in retrospect it was um a striking way for that chapter of our lives to come to a close. You know, the next night, you know, Una was born at home and uh, we got off into parenthood and it's been great ever since. Um, I would just like to like kind of revisit that moment and be able to sort of like uh, something about like the water streaming down the walls was striking to me. And like, I would like to have like the chance to revisit that. Um, I mean, it's literally like water breaking your walls, not to be too on the fucking nose about oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Did you have to clean it up? Like, was it, was it like, how, <laughs> how, how, like, gushing was this leak? It was like, uh, it was like, you know, like a, like a nice visible, like, stream, like, down the wall. I mean, it, it was cleaned up fine. It wasn't like any, like, lingering damage. It was just like okay. this weird. Like, it sweat almost. Not like there was like a hole in the wall. It wasn't a hole, but it was like it was like sort of like a like a yeah. stream, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why that came to mind, but that to me would be sort of like a cinematic moment that I would kind of like to go back to and like be able to reflect on everything that came after that moment. What's your coma? 
in the sense that you're very aware of the way you're probably more aware than I am in some ways of the ways in which me going into the coma changed me. What is a moment like that for you? Not that it has to be gigantic and grand. It could be like a split second, nothing thing that in hindsight is like, whoa, before this, I was one person. After this, I was another. And something was peeled away or something about me changed entirely. What is what is that moment for you? Or one one of those moments for you? Um, I think one of them... There's like those fork in the road moments, and I, and for me, I always think of them like as around major decisions. So like you know, college, go, choosing which college to go to was like the the obvious sort of like one of the more early fork in the road moments. But the one that really I think about often is this, uh, like right at the end of college, I got this job. You may have remembered this actually. I got this job at the Department of Justice. Do you remember this in DC? Yeah, like I, I like it was like a career fair thing at University of Chicago, and like I applied for this job. It was like to be, uh, it was to be a uh, a paralegal for the antitrust division of the Department of Justice in DC. And so I got this job, and it would start, you know, it would start like in like you know August or September, like after graduation, and I I got this job, and you know I was obviously in this relationship with Effie. And, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out what was next and I was sort of ambivalent on like what I wanted to do. So I thought I'd try like, you know, the legal profession or whatever. And so I got this job and I accepted this job and I was like lined up to go get this job in DC. And, uh, over the summer, I just had like a huge, like change of heart. I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to break up my girlfriend. Like, I don't want to go to DC. Like, I don't want to be like a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what am what am, why am I doing this? Uh so you know, like it was perfectly good job, like perfectly like prestigious, decent job to have coming out of college and would have been an interesting path to go down. But I just had this like sort of moment where I was like, Yeah, this isn't this isn't me. I need to not feel the pressure to do this, you know, otherwise prestigious thing. So I decided just to like not go to this job. I was like, yeah, sorry, I can't accept this job. I have to, I have to, you can have it back. And I just lived in Chicago, like looked for work, ended up, you know, finding this weird internship, like in transit planning for like the RTA. Yeah. Um, lived in like the studio apartment that Effie was going to live in by herself, hung out with you, played MLB like Oh five or whatever, at your yeah, apartment yeah. in Hyde park. And, um, ultimately like did this internship that um made me realize just by by virtue of how like slow moving and kind of dull it was made me realize what i wanted to do professionally which was do journalism which is what i had been interested in but hadn't really like hadn't really gotten myself to the place of embracing that decision for myself so why did um, you why did you think you wanted to do law instead of journalism in the first place? I was just like, I remember at the time just being like really ambivalent about like, why would I want to be medium? Like, why would I want to be the medium? Like I would rather be like, you know, on the doing end of this relationship rather than like the doing end of public events, rather than being the conduit of communicating those public events. So Uh I was like, you know, there's the media. That's like the middle step. Right. There's the doers. And then there's the readers. 
And I, and I felt at the time that like resigning yourself to being the conduit in that flow was a stupid thing to do. Why? So I was like, I don't know. Just, it just like, like it felt like cowardly. Like I'm not like, yeah, see, exactly. I'm not in the arena fucking yeah. Teddy That's Roosevelt what I felt style. Like. It's okay. like, I should just like, if I, if I'm, if I want to do something with my life, I should do it. I shouldn't just like cover it or I shouldn't try to like, you know, communicate it to others. Um, so I, I was like trying to figure out what that might be. Um, cause I think in my heart of hearts, like news and journalism has always been something that's been super appealing and attractive to me. Like I was on the middle school paper. Like I was the editor in chief <laughs> of the, of my high school paper. Uh, you know, I'd like dabbled a little bit at Chicago in college, but like was focused right. on other stuff. And then, um, uh, and then sort of had this like, I don't know, ambivalence about whether it was something I wanted to pursue. So the whole DOJ episode was like, um, sort of like the beginning of that reckoning in a real way. Like, let me not chase, let me not chase like this prestigious thing in DC that I kind of sort of maybe want to do, but not really. Let me just like roll the dice a little bit. Um, you know, stay in, stay in Chicago with this person I really love and figure out what it, what it is I want to do, um, without being sad and lonely in DC. So, so, so I mean, yeah. the relationship clearly plays a big part of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a big part of it. But it was the, like, it was choosing that over like careerist pursuits was also a big part of it as well. Right. I mean, was the DOJ thing like, I don't know. I've just been, you know, like, I feel like I've been, I feel like I have things where I think that there are new struggles to me and I'll be like, I've really been thinking about this the last two weeks and someone will be like, we haven't talked in five years and you were talking about that the last time that I talked to you, you know, but, but, but in my mind, this past year has been one of reckoning with the idea of fame a lot Mm -hmm. and actually realizing that like some of those fame things like being on TV in a few specific ways are actually not things that I care about as much as I thought I did. Was this a similar kind of reckoning where you were like, divorcing yourself from this idea of like prestige of what you like should do like that kind of stuff. It was definitely like a divorcing from a should feeling. Okay. It was like, it was like, sorry, dad, I'm not going to do this. You know, it was, it was kind of like one of, the, one of those in the, it was like in, in the back of my mind, it was like sort of one of those, one of those dealies. But, is, it, um, is it a dad thing? No, nah, not really. Like, okay. I mean, no, nah, not really. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that, I wouldn't put that on my dad. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I feel like it's a very dadly thing, right? It's like get the get the solid, mm-hmm. you know, get the solid, the best education that you can get, and like the the best career, and you know, we, it's all about having options and like stuff like that. And it was like, um, it wasn't in my heart of hearts. It wasn't an option I wanted to pursue, even though it was an attractive option. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Is there? How do you? I mean, obviously, you've resigned yourself to cowardice of covering instead of acting. <laughs> but how do you? Totally. Totally. How do you like square that though? Like, are you? Um, I mean, obviously, I'm joking, but it is funny. Like, even 
me saying that there are certain ways of being on TV that I'm not interested in. Part of me is like, yeah, right. You, you piece of shit. You, you're just sour. It's just sour grapes. You know, I imagine that voice might be in you, but clearly you're cool with what the media does and like that role. So how did that change? How do you think about it now? Well, I love being in the most hated profession. It's really great. You think media is more hated than lawyers? I think so, man. I think if you looked it up, it's like, it's like lawyers, Congress, reporters. Okay. Everyone, everyone, everyone's ragging on, on the media, but I, I love it, man. It's like, um, it's, uh, calling feels odd, but, um, it's certainly something that I love being a part of, you know, it's like figuring out new stuff, talking to people, um, you know, it's, it's like, uh, the corny thing, right. It's like continuing education. You know, you're always, you're always learning about something new and strange. Um, so it's not about renegotiating. It's not about renegotiating this old dichotomy you'd set up. It's about just like forgetting it and being like, well, this is actually where I feel like I'm in my life. So I'm just going to commit to this. I think I kind of got out of that dichotomy thinking like i think you can obviously be doing in a way that is meaningful professionally while still being in the middle and i've found that in my career so um yeah i think at the time like i was wedded to that that dichotomy idea i think there is something like uh attractive and like compelling to that dichotomy idea but i don't think it's necessarily like um something that i still feel holds true i mean me. not to over i mean to overgeneralize, but like mm-hmm. it is like a brash young thing to be like it's either this way or it's this way you're either doing it or you're a fucking worm you yeah, know it is and it is <laughs> yeah. and it is really crazy like a thing that's been giving me a lot of freedom recently has been like dude the thing that you are feeling like in service to is like the half cocked dream of a 23 year old. Like, what are you like? It, it's really freeing to be like, Oh, I think I have to live my life the way I had it all figured out when I was fucking 23 and pounding MGDs with you and playing fucking baseball video games the whole time. Like dog, you had some other shit to figure out and you maybe have learned a little bit, you know, that does sound pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Marr. You can find me on everything at this is Dave Marr. Go to thisisdavemar.com to sign up for my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. I'm posting music there. I'm currently doing some end-of-the-year wrap-ups. I am posting essays there. I'm posting fundraisers for mutual aid organizations. Doing all sorts of great shit. Go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash davemar to get all sorts of bonus content and events, including the full episodes of these shows. Again, tell a friend about the show. We've got some exciting things coming up next year, very early in the year, and I'm excited to share them with you. So thank you so much, and I will talk to you next year. Miracle.